To Yin and Yang, the podcast.、Uh, we are here with very special guest Lillian So. <laughs> oh, wow! You guys clap for me. Okay, wonderful. Hi. Of course. Hi. Hi.、Um, thank you.、Uh, so we just had a very brief、uh, introductory conversation, and、we'll, I'll probably leave some of that in the edited episode.、Uh, but yeah, I, I think、uh, you know. First, let's let's start with the beginnings. I, I know there have. There's many iterations and there's many different start points for you. Like,、um, but、uh, how how would you like to start? If someone were to ask you, "Hi, Lillian, tell me about yourself.、Uh, where did you grow up? Your background? Wherever you would like to start with that." Yeah. Yeah, that's always a tough one, right? Because there's so many starting points. <laughs> yes.、Um, I guess I'll just start with the very very kind of basics first and say I'm a daughter of Korean. Immigrants. I'm a Korean American daughter of immigrants.、Uh, my parents are from Korea.、Uh, they came here, you know, in the late seventies, eighties, late seventies. <laughs> I'm like, how old am I? <laughs> late seventies. <70s. laughs>、um, and I、uh, grew up in Chicago. I was born and raised in the city of Chicago, and I moved out to San Francisco in 2007. And I, as far as like what I do for a living, I started my career in fitness. And throughout many many iterations of burnout and success and burnout and success,、uh, I decided that that was unsustainable, and started a self discovery, healing journey. As cliche and funny as that sounds, as it's been a natural personal journey for myself, it's helped me gain. All of these skills and knowledge and tools, in order to also help my own clients as well,、um, as I've progressed along my personal and professional journey. So、mm-hmm. now, the way that I would describe myself is,、um, I consider myself a facilitator of transformation. So whatever it is that you want to transform in your life, whether it's your physical health, whether it's Letting go of your people-pleasing tendencies, your overthinking tendencies, or just wanting to feel a little more whole and in your purpose, and trying to feel like you're living the life that you're supposed to live, and you're not happy with where you're at right now.、Um, whatever it is that you're trying to transform, I help people do just that and get、mm-hmm. to a place of health and happiness. Cool. Yeah.、Uh, so when I first got your email, and this is similar to our, our one of our previous guests was. I was like, I I am a little bit skeptical of.、Um, we had another guest that was does a an, has an astrology dating app,、mm. and then and then I got I got your email as well, and I was like,、oh, life coaching, like people make money off of this, you know, or、um, I guess you call it transformation coaching, right?、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I'm, but I had listened to some of、uh, some of the links that you've sent and.、Uh, I did get a little bit of insight into what that actually means,、mm. and you know, it's like, oh, James, let's take off the judgmental hat and let's、mm. take a look at, let's be open to what,、uh, what, what is Lillian about? So, one thing that came,、uh, I think, one thing、uh, that connects to your background. It sounds like from the age of nine, you were already very becoming very self aware 
due to criticisms from your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so that's one of my starting points that I was like, oh, do I really need to start do you, there? Do we really need to go there? I mean, you don't have, we don't have to. I oh, mean. no, no, no. I mean, it's actually one of the usual starting points that I start with because I do believe if I really take it to the origin of the origin, I really do believe that my whole understanding of myself and what I do started at kind of this awareness around nine when I was constantly shamed and berated and told by family members that I was too big or I wasn't pretty enough or I was too not small enough or I wasn't skinny enough or I wasn't ladylike enough or I wasn't feminine feminine enough and all the shades of not enough. And so I would say at a very, very young age, I became very hypersensitive and aware of inadequacies. And that is really where I started a lot of my own like self-help journey if I really look back at that, you know, and it's, it started at a very, very young age of feeling like, wow, there's something wrong with me. I'm not okay the way that I am. I have to fix something about myself. It's like if I keep going at this rate, I'm doomed, you know, like I'm going to be rejected by society. No one's ever going to marry me and I'm just going to be alone forever. (laughs) So, you know, I did, you know, start a huge, huge, you know, like awareness at that very, very young age of like, oh, wow, like I'm not okay. Like I don't belong. Like I'm not like the rest of them. There's something wrong with me. So, yeah, absolutely. I started dieting and being very uh, conscious self-conscious of myself and how I fit into the world, you know, before, you know, I was like even in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was definitely a thing. And, um, and just to go back to the life coaching thing, I yeah, totally, yeah. I totally hear you on that. Cause I cringe at that too. Mm. Um, I, I personally, I mean, I will say a lot of my clients call me their life coach and it's fine. It's all good. A lot of times they call me that because it's almost like, well, I don't know what else to call you because you literally literally help me with my entire life. So Mm. I guess that means I'm going to call you a life coach. Um, But, you know, the work that I do is so soulful and so deep and it's so revolved around inner work. And a lot of my journey came from that inner work. You know, I went and did a deep dive. Uh, is as a yoga teacher and I went into yoga yoga teacher training and that blew my mind helped me connect a bunch of dots went down that rabbit hole became a yoga therapist learned about compassion and communication became mm. a communication facilitator so I don't really like calling myself a life coach at all like you notice that I never actually called myself that but it's kind of like if you have to on the internet, like if you had to Google search to find yeah. me, what are some of the things that you would put in there? You'd probably put a life coach in the Google search before you put other things, right? But right. in many ways, a lot of people that do work with me, they call me a lot of things. They'll be like, well, Lillian's like my spiritual advisor and my life coach and my personal trainer and my therapist, like, and my healer and my like, you know, like spiritual guide. Like they, you know, my clients would call me all of those things, but I do hear you on that. It kind of makes me cringe a little bit too, because I think there's a lot of um, associations to to that title that you know is is, is kind of loaded. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I there's I think there is a little bit of a before uh, before we continue. I want to do something different. Can we all check in with each other, like as emotionally where we're at? I I, I heard this on another podcast. Like, oh, I want to try that. So. Uh, I'm going to check in first. Uh, Let's see, where am I at? I am packing. I'm packing a lot of crap. I'm going to Taiwan tomorrow night. 
So I have some anxiety about that. Um, I was filming a little bit around my town today with my phone. Uh, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to this, this one lady who has like, this makes this really bomb ass, like Vietnamese sandwich. And then I, I had this fear of like approaching her. And then I, when I finally came over the fear, it's like, Oh, Hey, is it cool if I film a little bit? And she's like, Oh, sorry. My English is not good. And I just, I completely like, okay, no, I'm going to leave. You know, I'm being, I'm being that weirdo, you know, cause I like to do like these little films of like introducing my town or wherever I'm living. And that, that, I don't know, it triggered a little bit of, I go into these little downward spirals a little bit once while, like these, all these small weird things that, oh, the way this girl looked at me or something like that. And then mm-hmm. I'll go into these spirals. So I went into a little bit of a spiral today, but one thing that has been helpful because I know you practice meditation too, is that um, I'm more aware of it. So with that awareness, I have a little bit of object objectivity, but anyways, that's where I'm at right now coming into this podcast. Um, Dan, you want to go and then Lillian, maybe? Yeah. Where, Dan, where you at? <laughs> uh, I am, I, I don't know. I, I'm all over the place. Uh, I am, I'm still fairly new back in bank, back in the banking world. And uh, there are a lot of personal things that have happened recently. Um, because of the pandemic or whatever and i'm at that age where people are going to start um, passing away because they're getting older mm-hmm. so uh some of that has happened recently but um i think for myself professionally i have a cat in, in my room right now but uh professionally <laughs> professionally uh i i wonder about uh where i am and where i should be or where i thought i'd be at, at this age so those things go through my mind and then hearing about other people being a little bit ahead um, from my graduating class, um, it kind of like gets to me sometimes, but I, I just can't think about those things and, and I just have to do what I have to do. So, Absolutely. Cool. So Lillian, where, where are you at right now? Uh, well, where I'm at right now, I was literally working on one of my books right before I jumped on here. <laughs> so cool. um, where I'm at is, uh, I, I'm here, I'm present, I'm very present. But right before I got here, I was working on my book. So I was uh, very much like kind of in that mode of, you know, creating and writing and working. And uh, and so now, you know, just kind of switching gears here, just trying to get very, very present uh, with you so I'm, I can feel myself like slowly making the transition and mm-hmm. becoming very very here and uh, as I like to teach it uh, being present is being fully here with your mind and your body so I feel pretty present that's great yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so um, cool thank you for that detour um, uh, uh, indulging us uh, <laughs> one thing that I saw on your site was um, there was a moment when you were 11 that you took someone under your wing that kind of like gave you this sense of maybe dare I say like fulfillment possibly and maybe bit was a a first indication of your path to personal training and then eventually uh transformation uh witch doctor whatever you want to call yourself (laughs) a spiritual guide Um, yeah (laughs) all those things yeah yeah so so can you share a little bit about that experience what 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 happened and where were you at chicago i'm assuming yeah 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 so this is when i was in chicago i was still technically in elementary school if you're 11 what is that around like fourth grade fifth grade or something like that fifth or sixth grade fifth or sixth grade yeah i don't even know I i think maybe sixth grade yeah i don't even know um but uh but yeah this actually it's i i at 11 
is the earliest memory that I have where this kind of scenario played out. It's like a total classic 90s teen movie, you know, mm-hmm. like Clueless or like any of those movies where like you kind of like see like the cute kind of shy, awkward girl that has like the potential. She's kind of new. She doesn't have a whole <laughs> lot of friends. And um, and you're just like, oh, like I, she's kind of catches my eye. I want to like bring her under my wing and like, you know, and get to know her and kind of sass her up a little bit. And I I just remember feeling that, you know, feeling this impulse (laughs) with her when I was 11. And it actually happened again and again and again throughout my life. Like it happened Mm -hmm. again in high school. It happened again in college. And then and then I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is like what I do. This is actually like one of the things that I do. Like I actually just have this thing where I come into people's lives and, you know, just through this connection and generosity and this love and this exchange, you know, that, that I have with them, it transforms them and it helps them come more into their identity and their confidence and their power. And so to rewind it back again to the age of 11, I had a classmate, I had a classmate and she was exactly that, you know, she was quiet, she was a little shy, a little awkward, but you know, she just, I don't know, there was just something about her And I guess, for lack of a better word, I would say, like, there was some kind of spark or potential that I saw in her, and I just wanted to be her friend. And I felt the urge to approach her and start becoming her friend. And the best way that I can sum it up is I started... Like, can I cuss on here? By the way, oh, I don't oh, yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Like, <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. I was recent. I, I was recently on a show that uh, I, I was requested not to. So, um, but yeah, but like the the easiest way for me to uh, describe it is that I that I kind of became her friend. I approached her, and I just started turning her on to cool shit, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and just like started like introducing her to like. You know, like pop music and, you know, like makeup, and like things that probably her parents thought I was like a bad influence for, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I didn't like turn on to like cigarettes or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, like at the age of 11, you know, at the age of 11, like, you know, like turning turning a, a little girl on the, to like boys to men and lipstick when she had none of that on her radar before was, I'm sure, probably like not the most appreciated by her mother. Uh, you know, they, she, she, she was also Asian as well. Um, uh. But uh, but yeah, but this is the kind of thing, you know, that uh, that I would do. But this is what happened even with this person when I was in elementary school. And yeah, so I kind of took her under my wing and became her friend and started turning her on to some cool shit. And, you know, honestly, like she started gaining her confidence and she started hanging out, you know, with a bigger group of people and started really becoming integrated as part of the class, part of the community, part of the school. And from there, like she would tell me about her, like her crush. And I like figured that whole thing out and I made that all work. And like, I'm, you know, and like, and she like had her first kiss, you know, with, a, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but like she had her first kiss with, you know, the boy that she had a crush on and, oh, wow. and like, yeah. And like, you know, and I, and I kind of like made these things happen often, you know, throughout the course of my, you know, young coming of age life. And uh, it was just, yeah, it's just, I just saw it kind of happen over and over again in, in various different ways. And it's just like kind of fascinating. Yeah. And I and I it didn't like really click or like dawn on me until, you know, until even just like a few years ago where I was like, 
holy shit, I've been doing this shit since I was a kid. Like, this is literally what I do. Like, I like bring, I like raise people up. Like, I bring them up, man. That's, mm. that's a, you know, that's, that's like a thing that I do. I just help folks just see who they are and help them come into more of their power and find their confidence and feel a sense of belonging and go after the things that they want and become like their most beautiful, bright, radiant self that deserves to be seen and heard in the world. And that's basically what happened to her at 11. And that's basically what's you know happening with my clients now in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond. Mm. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Wait, wait. Is there someone like that for you, though? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I've actually, I actually like to joke and say that I have a whole team, a village that takes care of me. I have tons of mentors and coaches and guides and healers that I've worked with over the course of my life. I mean, I joke about it all the time that I've like literally... You know, I have like wizards all over the world that like oh. help that like help me and guide me and help me see, you know, who I really am. And and that is what also allows me to be confident in my superpowers, to be able to draw the magic out of people, you know, because I also have the I also have wizards and healers and coaches and mentors that have helped draw the magic out of me as well. Mm. And and wizards meaning like people who are like really Awesome. I, I guess is, is the is the best explanation for it or like. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would I would actually consider them more like healers and readers mm. and guides and coaches and mentors. And so, you know, people who are just naturally, you know, just tuned in to the subtle energies and identities of like who you are. Um, you know, I'll get a little woo out there and say, like, I've literally seen all kinds of light workers and healers from like astrologers to face readers to uh light workers past life readers tarot mm. readers astrology readers i have a saji reader like i've literally from therapists to mentors to coaches to all of the crazy out there mystical <laughs> spiritual uh, out there people i've 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 seen them all i've seen them mm. all I have, I have two questions. Um, uh, first one, what's a Saju reader? <laughs> so Saju is, is the best, the best way that I can describe it is it's like, it's a Korean, it, it's for, so first of all, it like stands, it means like four pillars of destiny. Okay. So Sa means four. four. So Saju, right? So Saju is like your four pillars of destiny. Okay. And so it's like a form of getting a birth chart or like an astrological reading, like, you know, getting like a Zodiac reading or something like that. Okay. But it's based on a 10,000 year old calendar. And as my Saju teacher told me when she was first teaching me this, when I had my very, very first session with her, she was like, I actually love this about her. She was like, okay, so something that I need you to know right now about Saju is that this is not based on feeling, clairvoyance, my mood, or some kind of energy and like she kind of like said it like you know like like almost like making fun of it she was like this is not about like how i feel or like some kind of energy you know she's like this is based on a ten thousand year old calendar this is just what it is this was written on the day that you were born this is basically what i heard her say was this is just math and that's what it is so like there is no woo around this this is just straight up math and i was like okay i'm listening like all right you know and it was probably one of the first 
readings that I've received that was just like, no, this is just facts. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is like not about energy and my feeling and what I think is shining down on me from the heavens. This has nothing to do with that. She's like, this is not about spirit or God or any of that. And I was like, okay, all right, lady. Like, <laughs> I heard you. Like, got it. You know. So yeah, she's she's one of my favorite. She's one of the my favorite teachers I've worked with so far. So how did you come about um, all these this village? I mean, how do you like start acquiring this village of uh, people, mentors, and stuff. So, as my Saju teacher would say, I did. I don't think I was conscious of this, but my Saju. This is what my Saju teacher has said to me: is she said you are literally obsessed with understanding yourself. She's right. like that is. She's like that is part of your life's journey. That is part of your purpose. That is part of like what leads you to your personal and your professional like life and journey and path. She's like, it is all intertwined and very much at the root and core of it is your obsession and your desire to just know more about yourself. She's like, you want to know what's inside of you. She's like, you want to know what's inside of you like more than anything else. She's like, you just want to know. She's like, you want to know what you're capable of. She's like, you want to know why you think, do, feel all those things. And it was so validating for me when I heard that, because that's exactly what I was just saying earlier when we started started this show. Yeah. yeah. And that brings me, okay, so you've met a lot of people. Um, have you met people where you're like, oh, you know what? You're actually kind of a charlatan. I know because I, I've interacted with so many people. I know when I see a charlatan and you are it. Oh my what God. do you do then? Oh my God, yes, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing, right? I think because I've worked with so many people and I'm also very sensitive to energy, right? So I'm also, yeah. I'm also very, uh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, like, I'm like, don't laugh, you guys. Like, I am also very sensitive. I'm very clairvoyant. I'm very psychic in my own way. So I'm very, very sensitive to energy. I have like a really, really strong bullshit radar like I just know when someone's like not being authentic I just know when someone's it's just like part of like my hardwiring right and so for me like I just I don't know how to describe it this is this is where intuition comes in mm -hmm. it's just it's just a knowing so intuition is you know a gut feeling is like your gut like it's in your body and it's a feeling it's a sensation but yeah. intu intuition is like a knowing you just know like you're yeah. just like mm, that ain't it mm, she's full of shit Mm, nope, that ain't it, you know? So usually when I come across something or someone that's just like, mm, I don't know about this. It's like, I just I just kind of know it right away. And I think, yeah, maybe I, I probably wouldn't have known those things maybe two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, but because of more experience of working with various people and me trusting my own intuition and me becoming more and more aware of who I am, knowing my skill sets, becoming more confident in my superpowers, that comp, that combination has allowed me to become so much more keen on, you know, what's real and what isn't real. And that applies to everything, by the way, not just like whether I'm like trying to figure out if this person that I'm going to work with is the real deal, but also if this is like a client that I want to work with, or if this is somebody that I want to put my energy into in general. Right. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever like just got up and you're like, you know what, this is not worth my time. Obviously, this person's full of shit. Uh, you're like, oh, wait, wait, I just remembered I got to go. <laughs> has that happened? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I know it has. Um, yeah, it's happened twice. It's happened twice. It happened with one person who was supposed to be just like a general, general intuitive uh -huh. person. Uh, it's happened three times, actually. It was because like I'm, I'm very open. Like I'm right. down. Like I'm down to work. Um, I'm I'm. 
I teach my own clients to always have a beginner's mind. And I really try to practice that myself as well. And I'm always eager to learn from new teachers because it's one of my obsessions. I want to learn more about like, what 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 can you help me learn about myself? Like, right. teach, teach me, I'm, I'm down for it. And so um, I have... I've had three three instances that I can remember right off the top of my head where I was like, oh man, this is a fucking waste of my time right now. I can just <laughs> feel it. And so one of them was a young girl that was like through the internet and she was like, oh, I'm like doing this thing and it was like really cheap. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was kind of like in a weird place in my life. It was like a few years ago. I was kind of like in a weird place and I just kind of wanted like, I don't know. I think I was just, it was cheap and I was like, ah. Let me just let me just see if I can just get like a nod or like some kind of something, right? Yeah. And uh, booked the session, got on the call with them, and um, they basically told me I don't know exactly how it went down, but they basically told me that um, they didn't say it exactly like this. But what I heard them say was that they basically told me that I am a, I am much much farther ahead than they are, so they don't think that they can actually give me anything that I wouldn't know better. Oh, yeah. And so which I like actually kind of appreciated. But right. and I was and I was like, OK, I was like and I was like, I was like, OK, well, like, you know, like, what do you mean? Like, and then she was just like, yeah, she's just like, you just you just need to know that you're like a like a real healer. Like, that, <laughs> like you're just like a, you're just like a real healer. I, I don't think I can like give you more than like what you already like have like I and 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 I was like what are you saying I I, I can barely remember but yeah. that was that was just my takeaway and that was just something that I remembered from there and it was and it was actually still very very valuable for me because in a way she was like yeah I don't think I can help you ah yeah you're the real deal like you go like, yeah. you know <laughs> and so I was like oh okay that was kind of interesting I was like I was a little confused I was like I don't know if I should be like annoyed that this person is like out here being like let me like help you, you know. Um, right. But then also at the same time, I was like, hmm, well, there's. I mean, she actually like did pick up on something and was like, you know, you're a real healer. Go handle it. I can't help you, you know. Yeah, she so basically was, outed herself. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also at the same time, like maybe there's something to be said for her spidey senses that she actually could even pick up on the fact that like. Yeah. That it's like, oh, you're actually kind of like the real deal, so I right. can't really help you. So that right, that, that, yeah. that wasn't that was an interesting experience. Um, and then I and then I I paid once for someone to do like a uh, a reading for like a particular planetary transit that was happening, and it was so over explained mm -hmm. that I knew as soon as I opened up the email, it was bullshit. Like I just mm -hmm. knew it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this means nothing. You know, I was like, there's like just a fucking essay. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, just oh. so it was just so long winded that I was like, I don't I got nothing from this. It was just it was just so many words and it was just so long winded. And I think it's like, you know, and I always say this, it's almost like one of these things where it's like um, it's like filler. Right. It's like, well, if you don't really I almost feel like it's a, a form of like, well, I don't really actually like know what I'm doing. So let me just like fill up the time and fill up the space to like, right. you know, like hopefully like seem like I know what I'm doing. But like this because for me, like I really value like like delivery, like eff yes. eff efficiency, effectiveness. It's like what's like the one thing that I can tell you from this presentation that you're going to be like, oh, my God, like that just changed my life. Like, right. Like, I'll give you like a whole hour long coaching call. And in summary, this. And then you're like, 
oh my God, like I'm going to literally use that for the rest of my life now. Like that's going to be like something that I use every single day to keep pushing the needle on myself. So when I get like a long ass thing like that, I'm just like, there's nothing for me to extract from this. I'm going to get nothing from this. I have no clarity from this. I'm, this is just more information. Yeah. And something that I value is transformation. So the, we're, we have information everywhere. It's, we're in an information age, right? The internet, books, like how many new books come out a year? Like there's a million videos that come out probably every single day on YouTube. There's nothing but information all around us. And because of that, I'm particularly obsessed with transformation, right? It's like, I don't need to just give you more information. Like how am I actually going to make you feel something different that you didn't feel before? How am I going to make you have an aha moment that you that you didn't know that you needed. Like, those are the things that I care about. So when I got that like long winded email, I was just like, this is useless. I don't think I even like finished reading it. I was like, well, <laughs> thank God it was only 20 bucks or whatever it was, you know, yeah, I, yeah. it was probably, it was probably more than that, you know? Right. Um, and then I also one time went and actually got an astrology reading from somebody in person. I like went to their office. I was super excited about it. Um, you know, she was somebody in the city and I was like, okay, like, you know, cause I'm always down to like find somebody new, somebody local, whatever. And the whole thing was just so, um, general and high level that I was like, like, wow, this is exactly why people think astrology is bullshit mm. because you could literally say this about anybody. Right. And the, and the thing is like astrology isn't bullshit. But when you generalize and too over high level it, like, yeah, that's when people that don't really know the the, the intricacies, it's it's exactly like the, at that moment that people who are already on the fence of skepticism are going to be like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, what? Like, you, could say, you could say this about anything. Like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like you, you are, you're meant for great things. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like all of us are, you know, or like, or like, yeah, you really, you, you know, you have like a, a general sense for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you could literally say that about anyone. Like that does not, mm. like maybe if I was like 12, I would be like, oh my God, for real though. But like, <laughs> as somebody who's been like doing the work, like knows themselves, like, and is like constantly trying to like dig deeper into understanding the nuances and the intricacies of my like psyche and like my emotional landscape and my ticks and triggers, that just wasn't going to cut it for me. So mm. I would say like that is, that's like usually when I pick up on like the, mm, this is bullshit. Yeah. So, so however, after so many years of doing this and seeing a lot of wizards and, and mentors, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good idea of who you are now and what, you know, what, how you're hardwired, what are your triggers, where your ticks and everything like that. Are you still in pursuit of a little bit more understanding, even though you have almost, I'm, I'm sure you have a pretty good map of, of your own body and your own mind. I mean, mm -hmm. are you still pursuing other oh my things? Gosh. Always, 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 always. Um, if I didn't, I would be, I would be a hypocrite. I would be totally going against everything that I teach my own clients and my own students, which is the work never ends. You know, there's just, there's just always so much more to discover. We can always go deeper. There's so much more to understand. There's so much I don't know. And something that I always say is, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Most of the things are the things that we don't know. Right. And so, you know, we know what we know. There are the things that we know. 
And then there are things that we know that we don't know. Like, I know that I don't know how to change my oil in my car. Like, I know, like, I don't know how to, like, effectively dye my own hair without burning it all off at the root, <laughs> right? Like, I know that I don't know how to do that well. Um, and I also have no freaking idea what I don't even know, right? And this happens every single day where I'm like, oh, well, damn, now I know. And like, or like someone will surprise me or like even my own clients who I thought like I, you know, like had a good, like I have clients that I've literally been working with for six, seven, eight years and like we'll have sessions and I'll be like, what? Like, I never even, like, you never told me that. Like, I've been working with you for eight years. Like, what the hell? Like, they're like, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I never... I never even thought about that until now, you know? So I just feel like there's just so much we don't even know that we don't know. And so I just know that, right? I know right. that there's a lot that I don't know that I don't know. Right. <laughs> oh my God. It's like getting really out there. <laughs> um, and knowing that is what I think in many ways just keeps me, just keeps me curious, just keeps me uh, just knowing that uh, just, just that, like it's it, it, it keeps me excited to be honest it keeps me excited and willing to keep showing up and uh, discovering you know new ways to understand myself fully you know and that is and that can come in so many different ways right whether it's working with somebody to draw something out of me or working with someone to like see my blind spots you know every time I work with a new coach or a new mentor or something like that they're all able to see something in me that someone didn't see in me before mm. and they call and, the, and every time they call it out it's like my favorite thing ever honestly uh recently if i could just share a story one of my coaches i was like complaining about something that i had to do like for my business and he says to me he was like lil he's like he's like why he basically said something along the lines of like like it's not that hard like you can do this you're fucking smart like like all you got to do is just blah 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 and he's like he's like what is this about he's like wait do you like playing the underdog is that what it is he's like do you like that no i'm he's like i'm being serious like is that like a thing for you like have you just like i bet you're somebody that always liked underdog movies huh like you just you just want to like be that underdog don't you and for whatever reason the way he said it i was like <gasps> i'm so triggered right now and i was like <laughs> actually though and it really made me think about my relationship to like full exposure like like you know blowing up selling out like really really letting myself like be at the top of my game because that's something that i used to really be uh that i used to hold on to i used to be really really terrified of selling out and i used to be really and i and i let that hold me back for years you know i i wasn't ready i let that i let that narrative that i didn't want to sell out hold me back from truly scaling and impacting and helping more people for years because i wasn't i wasn't fully ready to like to like overcome this like narrative that was actually really holding me back. I was holding on to it like it's like a like this like self-righteous thing like no, I'll never do that. Like I'm this person. And mm. you know, and now I can I can look back on that and be like, wow, like I was just still really scared. I was mm -hmm. just still not ready to like fully like step into all of myself and I just needed other people. I needed my village. I needed my mentors and coaches to be like, what's up with that? what's yeah. up with this whole selling out thing like why do you why do you think that you're gonna sell out if you do x y and z like why do you do you want to be the underdog is that is that like a thing do you like that is that like a thing seriously and i was like huh well i'll be damned i'm like no i don't i don't want to be the underdog anymore let's fucking get this bread let's go you know and so yeah it's it's a uh, i love it you know i i just love that i know that there's 
it's just so much more. And, and that is what keeps me excited. That's what keeps me excited of like, oh, what else am I going to untap? What else am I going to, you know, like uncover as I keep on giving myself the permission to keep digging deeper and keep reaching higher and to understand more of myself. Right. And what else, what else can I clear through that I don't even know is in my way? And it happens week by week. That's amazing. Yeah. One, one thing I was thinking about, um, wait, do you, do you still keep in touch with that 11 year old friend or, I mean, they're not 11 years old anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have no idea what's happened to her. I did like see her on Facebook, like a few years ago. She like was trying to like friend with, okay. I do remember what happened. <laughs> she, <laughs> I hope she doesn't hear this. She oh, like, friend, she like friend requested me to like, for like one of those, um, like one of those like MLM type things. She was like doing oh, one of these MLM right, right. things. And oh. I was like, and I was like, Ooh, I don't know about all that. And I just, <laughs> like, Ooh, like, I mean, I'm happy for you, girl. Like, go get it. But like, I'm just not gonna like, cause I started getting all these invites. I started getting all these invites to these things. And I was yeah. like, Ooh, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get all up in that mix. So, you uh, know, like, it's cool. Like, cool. You got some kids. Like, I see you. Yay. Like, but I'm like, but I, please, I don't want to feel like I have to att attend this like Tupperware party. It wasn't a Tupperware party. <laughs> it was not a Tupperware party, right, but, right, it, right. It, but it was something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. One thing I was, I was thinking about um, is for your own personal like uh, growth. Um, one thing I hear sometimes uh, from, you know, your videos and your other talks was about your Asian upbringing mm -hmm. and, and, I, I do want to, yeah, I want to touch on that and kind of like, is there any, as far as there's one thing that I went through called the Hoffman process when they mm -hmm. talk about um, parents and how they fuck you up mm -hmm. and then basically, but there's also some good that they teach you as well and kind of like, but then also finding uh, being your own person. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit with that because uh, yeah, as far as what's what's your relationship like with your parents and do you have any siblings and and how have you navigated that kind of sounds like a kind of traumatic critical mm -hmm. whether like relatives were being critical of you mm -hmm. uh how you navigated that um and to your you know to be more integrated to who you are now yeah yeah, yeah, no, those are great questions. And I am familiar with the Hoffman process. And I have a couple clients that have went through it. I don't really know all the details of it. But um, it seems like I'm like, Oh, yeah, I can see what I do being like an iteration of that, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, so so while a lot of my criticisms came from extended family members, I also had a very, very harsh Korean father. And I had a Korean mom who like, you know, was like super paranoid, like they, you know, they they never let me sleep over at anyone's house. They never let me have anybody over. You know, they were super strict. Um, they were super controlling. They always called the house at a certain time to make sure that I was home after school. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were like, and it was like a thing, you know, oh my goodness. And um, yeah, like if I didn't answer the phone by like 4.30 or something like that, cause like, you know, they knew that it would take me like 20 minutes to walk home from school or whatever. Uh -huh. It was like, it was gonna be a fucking shit show, you know? And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I was like very much under their watch and, you know, my dad, my dad had a lot of temper issues and, you know, he was always like, I just never knew what was going to happen when he came home, right? Like he might be in a good mood. He might, might be in a bad mood, but the reality uh. is, is most days he came home in a bad mood and it was, and he was going to eventually unload on me or, you know, the family because of whatever small thing went wrong that he just now gets to unleash 
uh, at home, which is really not about the thing, right? It's really not about the thing that happened at work, but it's about all of his other like unresolved anger and pain and, and, you know, whatever his baggage is that is now accumulated and now pops off with all of these little hiccups throughout the day that happens. Right. Mm. Um, so this is kind of like, I grew up in a very tumultuous household in that sense, you know, where my dad was very unpredictable and angry. And then my mom was also very, very controlling and codependent in the sense that she was always concerned about my dad. And like, she always wanted to like, you know, like, Oh my God, your dad's going to get upset. Like do this or else he's going to get mad, do this or else, you know, do this. So he'll be happy. And it was always about like making sure like dad wasn't flipping out. So it created a very codependent dynamic of like, we have to make sure that dad's happy or else X, Y, and Z, you know, we have to make sure he doesn't get angry. We have to be home by a certain hour. We have to, uh, it's just so much anxiety around, you know, what the household was going to be like, you know, like mom. So my dad was always unpredictable going nuts. And then my mom was always kind of like the one that had to like, you know, mediate and be in the middle and kind of control the vibe and all those things. Mm. Um, so, you know, growing up for me, I, so two things, two primary things that I in, inherited, you know, basically that I didn't even really realize until I, until I started doing the work was I had no idea how anxious I was. I had no idea that I was so driven by anxiety and that feeling <laughs> all the time. I had no idea. I just felt it all the time. It was like my norm. Mm. I was always under stress. I was always under anxiety. I was like, it was a very normal state and I didn't know it until I started really paying attention and I started really even realizing that it was a thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's anxiety. I had no idea. Like I didn't even know that like anxiety was a thing and that I was like, that I had struggled with that until I was like 24, 25, 26. I was like, that's what that is. Because you get aware of it and then all of a sudden you start taking care of yourself and you realize what it feels like without it. And you're like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> I had no idea. So that's one thing. And I was just talking about this in a coaching call with my clients the other day too, is that high functioning anxiety is a real thing. And so I had no idea that I was operating from a place of high functioning anxiety pretty much my whole life mm. right and high functioning anxiety plays out and it manifests as overthinking over analyzing like you know um perfectionism uh, and, and just feeling the need to like you know like control everything and like have everything perfect and you know and i had no idea so that was one way that it played out and the other way that it played out was in codependency i had i got into a lot of codependent relationships in my 20s and had no idea that that's what was wrong in my relationships. I had no idea that that's what, that's why I was running into these same patterns over and over again and feeling like I was being taken for granted and feeling like I was in these toxic relationships. I had no idea that it was actually because of these codependent tendencies that I picked up on in the household of like getting into these relationships with people that are you know, that I felt like responsible for, that I felt like I had to constantly win over, that I felt like I had to constantly like manage their emotions and feel responsible mm. for. That was something that I, you know, recreated in my life and I had no idea. So um, those were the things, I don't know if this is answering your question, but those are some of the oh. things that I, that I kind of from that household, you know, growing up, what I observed internalized and didn't even realize that I was playing out until I started doing the work to zoom out and be like, holy shit, 
I had no idea I was doing all that and then started to consciously change those behaviors. Mm. And it sounds like you're an only child or? I'm, oh, so uh, I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. Okay. I have a brother who's four years younger than me. Mm. And okay. uh, yeah, and he's still in Chicago. He's married. And yeah, and he's, uh, you know, and he and I were, you know, he and I both uh, experienced the household differently. You know, I was mm. always, I was always the one that was like fighting and getting in trouble and like, and I was always causing, I was always getting in trouble. I was a troublemaker. I was always rebelling. You know, I was always like doing shit to get in trouble. And then my brother was like, you know, he was just kind of like the one that was, he was just the one that was just like, he just tried to like stay out of it. You know, he, uh, he wasn't as reactive. He's the one that kind of stayed quiet and was just like, dude, Lily, fucking shut up. You want to get your <laughs> ass you're going to get your ass whooped again. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why do you do this to yourself? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So we both responded very differently. Oh, is he messed up or he's he's pretty cool now? Or I mean, I think for my brother, I mean, I for, I had it more from like a I for me, like it it came out more like very outwardly and energetic and anxious. And for my brother, it's more like it shows up for him more in a uh, quiet, reserved kind of like more of a suppression, depression, you know, so it's like it's oh. kind of like two ends of the spectrum, I would say. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we both talk about it and, and we, you know, and we've definitely, especially more lately as you know, as uh, we're getting older, we've, we definitely talk about what that's like and how that's, you know, and how that's playing out for us and, and how the way that we were raised, you know, played off for me in this way and how it played out for him in that way. And, and it's cool. Yeah, it's cool for us to like now start to like shed light on these things. Yeah, I wonder um, how was the, was the environment uh, outside of the household conducive to that or was it maybe not or what would or did it exacerbate that kind of anxiety uh, living in a you know predominantly black neighborhood it sounds like you were the one of only a few other Asians in your high school I'm assuming or yes so I grew up in the inner city of Chicago and my parents owned a liquor store in a predominantly black neighborhood out just outside of the just outside of the city in a in a village called Broadview and so my high school, where I actually went to school, was incredibly diverse, incredibly diverse. I mean, our, my high school was like featured in Newsweek for being like the most diverse like high school in the nation. I'm talking mm. like hundreds of different ethnicities and languages. And it was like, I mean, a true melting pot. When I got to college, I had reverse culture shock. I'd never seen so many white people in my life. That shit was crazy for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Everyone looks the same. This is so creepy. Like, I was like freaking out. Like, I'm just never, ever. Uh, because I grew up around so much diversity uh, growing up in, you know, grammar school and high school and all that stuff. Um, so in the city was where I felt the most at home. Mm. And... At my parents' store in that black neighborhood was where I felt the most accepted and the most and the most belonging and the most appreciated and the most seen. So I felt very comfortable in the city. I had my friends. I, you know, like I navigated. I had friends in all circles. I had friends, like I had friends that were like, you know, the Korean fobs from Korea. I had like friends that were like the little gangster kids. I had like friends that were like athletes. I had friends like from all pockets. And then when I went to my parents' store, I felt that's where I felt the most belonging and I felt the most seen. And then I had a third community in my life, which was the Korean American church. And that was out in the suburbs. And that was where all of my trauma and all of my pain and shame around not belonging uh, originated. That all happened over there with the other Koreans. <laughs> uh, 
it's very, funny yeah, very unique. Uh, no it's just a very unique unique uh background for me in that sense in terms of belonging and you know different races and how i how i found myself like identifying and fitting in it was actually like the most with the black community the least with the korean community and just in general like overall great as long as i had a lot of diversity around me yeah because one thing that um listening to some of the podcasts one thing that i took issue with was sometimes you would use like oh it was such an asian background or something like that so using the word asian in a negative connotation Mm -hmm. and i I sometimes hear that for a a lot of asian americans when they talk about their background to Mm non-asians there is a certain or or even to the to 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 each other we say it to each other sometimes it's like oh yeah my mom's so asian or something like that and i i i i I always thought that that was normal and then Mm -hmm. um i just more recently I think I've been thinking about how we use language, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, where do we learn that? Where do we learn how attaching this negative connotation to a social construct of this Asian-ness, right? Mm-hmm. And, because it could be anything. Because I, I, like being Asian could be great, could be awesome, could be terrible. So I, I'm just kind of curious of trying to unpack that because it sounds like hearing your background i think maybe that's why because the only sub subgroup of korean uh which is millions and millions of people exactly but but the only subgroup that you had interaction with was this Kore- these i guess these rich korean kids right <laughs> and but then uh, you know eventually you you went to korea and things opened up do you want to speak a little bit about that or yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know i always thought that i always thought that i just didn't belong with koreans and koreans didn't like me and there was something wrong with me and the whole nine um But then, you know, I went to Korea for the first time as an adult and I was like, oh, my God, they love me here. I I love it here. Like, they think I'm so fucking cool. They like everywhere I go, people are just like, oh, my God, like, who are you? Can can we talk like and I'm just like, oh, my God, me for real? Like, you like me? You see me like you want to hear me? What? It's just like so opposite from what I experienced growing up. And so I always say this, that like. It was the most healing healing experience I've ever had around my identity as a as a Korean American because it made me realize that like it wasn't that I wasn't Korean enough it wasn't that like Korean people don't like me it's not that like I don't belong with Koreans or it's it, it wasn't any of that shit whatever whatever thing that I had whatever baggage and shame and all that stuff that I had that I associated with Koreans being mean to me and not accepting me and this that and the other it was just it was just all just like a sliver just this tiny little minuscule pocket of an experience that i just happened to have that i like associated this entire like like trauma of belonging and identity around and it was like oh it's like not that like it's not that it was just like it was just that experience it just happened it just happened to be the Korean American church suburban experience that I had, which is like a very specific of a specific of a specific of a specific, you know, Mm. and it's a cross section of a cross section of a cross section. So that is what created this traumatic experience for me that created all these limiting beliefs and created all these stories and narratives around how I don't belong and how Asian people don't like me and how Koreans don't like me and this, that, uh, and this, all this stuff. But it's, it was just it was just like a moment in time it was it was an event of my life that does not have to be projected into my present day or my future mm. and as a matter of fact when i went to korea it's like folks love me over there they're just like when are you gonna come back oh my god you're totally one of us and that actually was one of the most healing things that i experienced when i was there because i heard more than once over and over and over again by random korean people out there in korea 
It would be a cab driver. It would be a random woman at a cafe shop. It would be somebody at a beauty store. They would be like, oh my gosh, you're just like, you're, you're from the States. Like you're, you're like, you're, you're like born in America. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're just, they're like, you're just so Korean. You're like, a <laughs> they're like, you're a true Korean. And I speak the language too. And they're ah. like, oh my God, you're like, you're such, you're such a true Korean, your accent, everything, like everything about you're so Korean. You're, oh, you're totally one of us. And I was like, oh, that was like amazing for me. And it just made me realize mm. that like all that whole baggage that I had around that was just nothing more than just a baggage that I had around that. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, sorry, Dan, did no, you, have, no. you have some? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. yeah, it made me think about like how Stephen Yun, he he mentioned uh, the actor Stephen Yun, he mentioned how, um, yeah, it, it seems like people have different experiences because he, he was thinking about going back to Korea, you know, prior to during the pandemic. But um, I think there was this fear of, yeah, not belonging. Right. And, and there, or, and that was a conversation that he had with his father. And that's something maybe I feel a little bit when I go back, I, I, I am going back to Taiwan um, this week uh, because I have, uh, I got the dual citizenship recently. Nice. And yeah, yeah. And I, and I kind of need a break from America and just kind of get out of the state, just give myself a little bit of breathing room. Uh, so I, I find that very interesting uh, how that was such a healing experience for you. I think, I think a lot of Asian Americans, um, I think I hope a lot of Asian Americans have a similar experience or have some sort of come to come to their own understanding of, you know, coming to terms with their race, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. that means to them, you know, because I think it's it's really important because I think we're especially now with like kind of this anti-Asian um, crimes that are happening. And I, I was just having a, a conversation with a friend about it. And the first thing I felt from him, and maybe I, maybe it's my own walls or my own triggers, but he was like, well, is it really that bad right now? Like, is it really statistically worse than before the pandemic? And I was like, well, yeah, there was these studies like, well, I don't know if it's something that we should really get up in arms about, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like I was being gaslit by another Asian American. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was just like, it's interesting how it seems very specific to our group, the Asian American group of like, we seem to gaslight ourselves and we don't seem to like own our own, uh, you know, our pride, I guess. Whereas I feel like there is that in the black community, there is that in the Hispanic community as well, but it seems like they are maybe, especially for the black community, they're a little bit further along in that, uh, you know, black power or that feeling of pride, I guess. The, does that make sense? Or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> There's no question there. I just kind of want to get your thoughts a little bit about that. Or, yeah, I mean, I think I think what I'm hearing you ultimately say is that, you know, that it was very triggering for you to have an experience with another Asian American person that didn't really want to see what you see yeah, yeah. around what's happening with these racial tensions. And and I think you're obviously going to be more hyper aware of that because you're Asian, right? So, you know, so of course, like, yes, it's and, and for you, and I think what you're also saying is, you know, I would love to see more solidarity and I would like to see more of a voice and a togetherness and, you know, just more of a banding together from the Asian American community in the same way that the black communities have, especially in recent years. And so that's really what I'm hearing you say, ultimately. 
And uh, that's, I think it's very interesting that um, you felt seen and you felt heard in the Black community. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because I think um, one thing I mentioned in the email to you was there is racial tension between the Black community and the Asian community, uh, mm-hmm. as is fairly high recently, just because the attacks against the elderly, you know, you, even where you're at, San Francisco, I'm, I'm in the South Bay right now. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, just hearing about that just really, really fucking hurt me, you know. Mm-hmm. And some of the attackers, you know, they happen to be black. And mm-hmm. I, I just was curious to, to hear maybe your perspective of your upbringing with the black community and mm-hmm. how, how you felt there. And then maybe speak a little bit about if you can add, shed some light on structurally or systemically what's happening now, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a few things that I that I that I couldn't say about that. And I think, you know, first of all, I just want to say, like, you know, the Asian community and the black community, there's been racial tensions between our communities <laughs> since the beginning of time. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. we're just like, we've been, <laughs> been, you know? So this is, this is you know, kind of nothing new in that sense. Um, I've seen both sides of it all. You know, my parents have ex- experienced both sides of it all. You know, it's, it's complex. It's complex. You know, I mean, you see, especially with, for me personally, you know, I mean, we've seen it with the L.A. riots. We've seen it like in so many different ways. And now, you know, post-COVID, we've been seeing it. And, you know, for me, I've what I've noticed, too, is a, a lot of Korean businesses and black businesses coexist frequently. A lot of black communities and Korean communities coexist. A lot of Asian communities and black communities coexist. Like you see them, you know, a lot. Like I feel like for every, for me personally, I feel like for every Korean owned liquor store, you know, in a neighborhood, there's a black owned beauty supply store like nearby, like right around the corner. And, 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 you know, they, they coexist. That's how it is for my parents too. Um, My parents, particularly in their, you know, kind of pocket where they run their business you know they have their business which is next door to you know a a little food shop a restaurant you know that's black owned and you know their business their customers come by and come by my parents store and you know buy booze and cigarettes and lottery tickets after they come go to the store and then like you know and then like across the street there's like a beauty supply that's black owned and then next to that is a clothing store that's korean owned and you know Mm. there's a there's a lot of you know synergy happening in a lot of ways and at the same time, there's there is violence and there is all those things. So on one hand, you know, for me, I see it. It's it's very complex. It's very complicated because, on one hand, what I've seen and what I've experienced and what my family has seen and experienced is, my parents have been robbed at gunpoint by black folks. Hmm. They 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 are also the ones that help my parents pay their bills. They're also the same ones that come by and bring my mom Valentine's Day cookies on her birthday. You know, they're also the same ones that come and bring gloves and masks for my parents, you know, to make sure that they're safe, you know, with this virus. You know, they're also the ones that, you know, steal from their store and, you know, try to get over on them and 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 break their windows, you know. Um, you know, and so it's 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 an interesting thing. And and so yeah, like I've totally heard my parents you know on the whole spectrum of them like being super grateful for their black community as well as being very angry with their black community and Mm. you know and having and having outbursts of like you know of like racist like remarks and stuff you know in the same way that they have i've experienced the black community be super loving to my parents and talk to them about like how they love them so much i've also heard them out in the parking lot calling them fucking chinks and tell that Mm. fucking chink that i need my da 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 you know so it's a complex complicated thing with that said, my response to all that is that we just got work to do, period. 
Like we just all have work to do. It is deep. It is systemic. It is fucked up. <laughs> and it's been going on for a long time. And I think all in all, something that I've always said, you know, something that I've been saying for a while is, you know, we have to just have more conversations about the conversation like this, you know, and start to just open up these safe spaces for us to talk about our experiences. And it's like, well, why do you feel like it's okay to attack these elderly Asian people? Why are you so angry? What mm. happened? What happened to you? Did an Asian person hurt you? Like what, what, what happened? What made you feel like you had to do that? Like, did someone tell you to do that? Are you angry because you lost your job? Are you, did, did an Asian employer fire you because of COVID? Do you feel like that, that this is a way for you to express your anger? Is that why you decided to do that? Like, like what if we started having more conversations in that way? Mm. And, and then also with the Asian community too, it's like, hey, like, you know, how did this hurt you? Why does this hurt you so much? Why do you feel so attacked? Why do you feel like this is unfair? Where mm. did you where did you learn that this wasn't okay? And 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 how, how do you think that this is moving us forward or or actually taking us back? Like how like let's have more of these conversations. Let's create more of those spaces for that. But unfortunately, instead of doing that, what we're doing is we're just getting more angry and we're just pointing our fingers back at each other while while the white people are still just getting ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I see it too, you know. So I mean, like, you know, if, like if you want to talk about it in that way. So for me, it's like, it's like, okay, like, how can you know? What if? What if we actually approached it that way? What yeah. if? And this is not in defense of anyone. It's not in defense of anyone. I want to make that clear. This is about doing the work. Yeah. This is about expanding our minds. This is about like actually seeing like shit is complicated. Racism is real. Human experience is complex. You know, black folks love on Asian people and they hate on them too. Same vice versa, you know, and we've been pitted against each other since the beginning of time. And there's just a lot of fucked up shit that we need to work through and a lot of untangling and healing that needs to be done. And who's going to facilitate that? Yeah, because I, I think, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I, there is a lot of pain, um, especially about reading how bad these attacks are. And sometimes I'll read these comments and, you know, the comments are like, you know, kill them, murder them, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but then I don't think that's like you said, I don't know if that's, that's not really work. That's more like reactive, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, so I think, I think what, one thing I, I liked about what you said was, um, this is not about, uh, make putting them in the clear. There's people are responsible for their actions, but let's let's be like let's be let's be empathetic about it, and let's also be a little bit like, uh, what are like a social scientist about? Like, what's what's causing this pain? You know, and why is it that, you know, there's there's uh, you know there was a report like why is uh, you know black on Asian crime, you know, fairly high? You know, as far as they did like a cross section of races, and Whereas, you know, I think there is anti-blackness in the Asian community, but there's not really, uh, we, we're not as violent towards other races from, mm -hmm. from the research I, I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. However, there is, there is something to be said about um, giving off a certain vibe about some people. And in that way, people respond in a certain way. Mm -hmm. That said, I'm not putting any, I'm not saying that Asians are responsible for being, being victims. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, what we do need work on both sides mm -hmm. and we also need like yeah 
we need, I think this feeling of, uh, this normalization of like, uh, of it's okay to like, it's okay to be messed up to Asians. Like that needs to stop. I think, mm -hmm. I, I think, Anyways, Dan, do you have any thoughts on that? Or <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm about to rant. I'm sorry, I got to stop myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't think I have too many thoughts on that. I mean, it's just a long-standing thing. Yeah, probably goes back. I, and like, I mean, when when you read like the people's history of the United States, you know that the poor white people were pitted against the the slaves because the wealthy white people wanted them. They didn't want them to be allies and united against them. So they just kind of divide and conquer. And Chinese people are like that in, in the past too, right? Chinese people were brought over as laborers, but they were sent back as soon as they could or just killed off. And they weren't allowed to procreate here. They weren't allowed to establish themselves as Americans. So it was like another way of having slavery, but not calling it slavery. So I, I think it's just a, it's a systemic thing. It's just going to be always that way. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want the people who are oppressed to unite together and be uh, allies. And we just want to make, sow division and make sure that the differences are accentuated rather than the similarities in our, right. especially in our experiences in America. Yeah. And it, and it benefits the people who are benefiting, <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, simply put. And so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we, have to just keep on having more of these conversations and, you know, and shift more from blame to empathetic listening and, and like actual, like real effort towards empowering our communities, as well as creating spaces for like the pain that is creating these violent acts and creating some sort of pain because, you know, a lot of this is, it, it's, 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 it's coming from it's coming from resentment it's coming from anger it's coming from like just so much accumulation of unresolved like stuff that's just been accumulating through communities you know mm. that are now coming out as you know out outlashes right right um, so I think creating more of these conversations around like you know what what is it that we're really angry about like what is it that's you know what is it that why do why do these communities feel like it's okay to you know, maybe behave or act in this way. And, you know, what does the Asian community need to say too? And what does the Asian community want to say about, you know, how they want to be seen and how they want to be heard and treated and so forth? Yeah. And I, there's also, there's something to be said about, I I wonder, like, uh, we act out because of kind of like the work that you were talking about earlier is that, you know, if our parents treated us like shit, you know, like, there's a possibility we might treat other people like shit. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Where, where do we learn these behaviors from? Um, so there's something to be said. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. We're kind of coming up to almost an hour and a half. So uh, I, I do want to circle back to your work as a transformation coach. And one thing I want to make sure that our listeners get is, is for skepticals, skeptics such as myself, like what's, um, what's something of value that you think people should hear if they're like transformation i'm not gonna pay money for that shit like what i like i was i've been cheated before i had this tara reading and she didn't tell me anything like why 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 should i whatever what what is this some stupid program you want me i want another program like mm -hmm. so for those skeptics and like there there is uh it's kind of uh 
some people have these barriers because of either bad experiences or like something they learn. They and so I what what's something um, that you would say you know to these people and who seem like seem like they need it you know I like but are super like I don't want to you know why why should I spend money for it you know yeah. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I would say is. And I say this all the time. So the work that I do is not only with my clients, like I don't actually do one-on-one work. So the work that I do is very unique in the sense that I have containers and I have programs. And what I do is I hold space. I have programs. I do actually have a program that I've created that is a process. And you do this with a community. And I would say my community is probably anywhere from about 75 to 80% Asian American. And there is something to be said for doing the work with other people that have similar experiences with as you, and it makes you feel a lot less alone. Mm. Um, so let me let me pull it back for a second. So something that I've said, and, so, and the reason why I said that real fast is because the community aspect is really important because we're just like we just got done talking about like black communities and Asian communities, and it's like and it's like we literally need each other. We need to come together if we're going to make change. Okay. And so you can't grow, you can't change, you can't grow, change, or transform in a vacuum. You can't do it on your own. You can learn, you can learn information. But again, there's so much you don't know. You don't know half the things that you don't know. Um, You don't know any of the things that you don't know. So how else are you going to do that unless you actually have a guide or a mentor or someone else being like, yo, did you know that you have these blind spots? Did you know that you do this thing? Did you know that like this, this comes up for you? Hey, did you, did you know that you actually uh, totally self-sabotage yourself every time you say blah, 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 blah. Did you even know that to actually have someone to like be willing to like help you do that? It's just, it's just such a priceless gift. So with that said, we need each other. We need each other to make change. We need each other to grow. We need our communities. We need people behind us, right? Like we all need our families. We all need our partners, our wives, our our families behind us. We all need our communities. You know, people who go to church, they have their church congregation behind them, you know, whatever. And so working with me in particular, what I always say is, look, you can get far on your own. Plenty far, right? All kinds of people get far on their own, for sure, right? Like you get yourself through school, you get yourself a job, you know, you get your, you make yourself money, you can get far on your own. You can get even farther when you work with somebody, because now you have help. Now you have someone to hold you accountable. Now you have someone to guide you and give you mentorship and boost you up and encourage you and help you boost your confidence and see, help you see things that you don't see in yourself. Mm. And then when you work with me, you, it also comes with a community. And so what I always say is you can get the farthest with community. You can get the farthest with a group of people who have the same vision, goals, and dreams behind you. Just like tackling anti-racism, tackling anti-racism is not going to happen with one person on their own just leading the way. You need your entire community bought in. You need people behind you that believe in your vision, that believe in your goals, and they push behind you. So when you work with me inside inside of my programs, you are yes being guided by me as you know the 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 guide the the coach the leader the, the therapist whatever and then you have an entire community that's also backing that up right helping you see yourself helping you believe in yourself and pushing yourself along so that is the benefit of you know working with somebody and and being part of a community and all of those things and then also and so that's that that's just like what i know is true based on the mm. work that i've done and then beyond that, what I would add, what I would end with is I would ask a question, which is, what's your biggest dream? Like, 
Like what, what, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? Like what's, what's like, what's like the big scary thing that you, you don't think that is possible for you? What's hard for you to believe about yourself? What's something that you always wanted to do, but think that you are not capable of? When did you stop dreaming? Like, those are the questions that I would ask to somebody who's skeptical, Mm. right? Because that skepticism to me is nothing but a resistance wall to you actually going after the things that you want. Right? Because that skepticism comes from previous trauma, being duped before, right? Like maybe like not trusting people. It comes from trust issues. It comes from like all of these other, again, previous experiences, kind of like my church experience, right? Yeah. It comes from all these previous experiences that we are now projecting into the present and future of like, well, you know, based on X, Y, and Z, I can't trust this people and I can't, I've been duped before and I've been scammed before and da, 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 da. And it's like, okay. Well, are you going to constantly look at your present and your future with the lens of the of of the past? Mm. Are you going to are are you going to stop dreaming now? Like when when did you decide that you didn't want to go after the scary things anymore? Like what I I thought you had a scary dream. Do you have a scary dream? Like what's hard for you to believe about yourself? Do you do you want to believe those things about yourself? Do you just want to tap out here? Is this where you want to tap out? Mm. So I would end with those questions because Every single one of us is capable of anything that we want. And I'm not even saying that to be on some like motivational rah-rah shit because I am not that bitch. Like I am not, a, <laughs> I am, I am not a positive think your way into some shit person. Like I am not about that. Like I actually like, I think toxic positivity is a real thing and that's a whole oh. nother can of worms I can't even get into right now. But like, I'm not about that life. But what I am about is, do you know that inside of every single person is a fucking badass that's waiting to be seen, that's waiting to be heard, that's waiting to be expressed, that's waiting to create, why would you hold that shit back? Like, do you know that like, there's so much inside of you and the only reason you hold that shit back is because of your previous experience, because of your limiting beliefs, because of your shame, because of your fear, because of previous events that you think are going to be true in the future. Like, that's it. That's the only reason why. So why would you let all of that hold you back when, like, you know intuitively that there is something so much greater within you that is just dying to be released, right? And so that that's, like, that's the that's the thing that I would say to somebody that's, like, skeptical. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I just want to, since we're coming short up on time, I just want to know what book you're writing or what it is about. And then uh, also um, where people can actually find you, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, we might have, we'll have links, I'm sure, but we we just, you might want to promote or let people know where to find you if if they want to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm writing, I'm writing a couple of books. I'm actually writing a couple of books this year. So um, I just, I, we just sent out the final draft for uh, our final. So the first book that I'm writing, I'm actually co-writing with a very, very old client of mine. Um, she is she's actually a former CEO of a major household bank and um, uh, and uh, she's retired now. And she so she and I are writing a book and it's called Fit CEO and it's all about being the leader of your life. Right. And so that's the first book that we're writing together. We're co-writing that. And then the second book that I'm writing is on the five layers of the body. So the five layers of the body is the very, very first lesson you learn when you work with me. 
And, you know, I come from a fitness background, right? So like I started my career in fitness and then obviously worked my way into going deeper and deeper and deeper into understanding myself of self-discovery. So my second book is actually about the five layers of the body and that you are not just this physical meat suit, but you actually have a physical body. You have an energetic body. You have a mental, emotional body. You have a spiritual wisdom body. And you also have a heart center, a bliss center that wants to be alive and expressed and like in love with, you know, your life. And so that book is about that. And so I'm uh, working on my first draft right now as we speak. And so I should be wrapping it up this evening. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, my first draft, I mean, no edits. It's a very, very rough draft. Mm. Um, But yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm very connected. I'm I'm a relationship person. Like I truly believe that the people in your life are your life. Like my entire business, my entire career is built on relationships and connections and community. Uh, that's That to me is everything because like I said, you don't make change, you don't grow, you don't actualize your dreams unless you have people. You need community, you need mentors, you need a village with you. And so, um, so I'm all about that. So with that said, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I you reach out to me directly. Like you can send me an email at Lillian at meetlillianso.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at meetlillianso. You can jump on my website, meetlillianso.com. There's a widget there where you can message me directly on Facebook Messenger. You can friend request me on Facebook. Like I'm about that. You know, I mean, if you're like a total weird creepazoid and I get that vibe, I probably won't accept your friend request. But other than that, like... (laughs) You're good. Like you can DM, you can slide through my DMs anytime. Do not hesitate to reach out. You can holler at me anytime. You know, like whatever, whatever it is that, you know, if anything resonates, you want to say hello, you want to jump on a call, you want to learn how to work with me. There are so, so many ways to get a hold of me. All you got to do is make the first move because I don't know that you exist. So I don't know what I don't know. I don't know that you exist, that you're listening right now. So yeah, just holler at me and I am more than happy to respond and, you know, start a conversation with you. When you have conversations with, with people like your brother or close friends, is it, do you, do you have to like change your mindset to like, not think about, you know, how I can actually benefit them or how I can bring out the best part of them, even they might not even want it, but (laughs) is it hard for you to like, you know, just shift gears and like, Oh, you know what? I just got to relax and just enjoy this moment or. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard for me at all because like when I'm in work mode, I'm definitely like in work mode when I'm with my clients, when I'm coaching, when I'm teaching and so forth. And then when I'm chilling, I'm chilling, you know, when my brother calls me and he just like, you know, if he just wants to ask me a question, he asks me a question like, um, you know, my brother will legit be like, Hey, can I like schedule a time for you and talk about some shit? I'll be like, yeah. And I know to be in that mode to like help him because he wants me to like, you know, he wants me to hold space for him. So he will let me know. He'll be like, Hey, like, can I like, can I like book a call with you? (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) He'll be like, can I book a call with you? I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. What what time do you want to book a call? You know? And he'll be like, I don't know, Sunday. I'll be like, yeah, this, whatever. Like I'll put you on my calendar for five. And you know, what he really means is like, yeah, I would like you to be in this mode and hold space for me as my, as my big sister, as somebody that I can like, you know, bounce you know some shit off of but other than that i mean if we're just kicking it like we're we're not in that mode i'm totally like you know like we're cool we're chilling you know like i mean i have clients like like i said like my relationships with my clients are very you know very very fluid it's like i aim to be 
just like one of them, like we are equals, right? So it's like, if we're having a social hour, like if, if I, if I'm hosting like a happy hour with my clients, like, yes, I am in work mode and I do some facilitating, but also like, I'm goofy. Like I get, I get faded with them. I'm like drinking champagne and we end up getting goofy and, you know, talking about stuff and, you know, and of course, like, yes, I'm like still like well boundaried and, you know, and whatnot. But, you know, I really try to, uh, I really try to not compartmentalize and also only hold space when I know that this person just wants me to actually hold space. And like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be in like full blown coach therapy mode all the time. That's just fucking annoying. Who wants that yeah. friend? That's annoying as shit. You know, like we all know those people and it's like, nah, man, <laughs> I'm not trying to be that person. <laughs> like yeah. I get paid to do this. I'm not trying to do that when I'm off the clock. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think that's one of the resistances I think for some, for myself included was, is like, like one time one, one of my friends was trying to give me like advice after I was like kind of venting a little bit and he was like very being very prescriptive about it and it, it triggered something in me. I think mm -hmm. that's something I need to work on as well. But uh, now I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying. It's like holding that space, but uh, yeah, the, to be on that all 24 seven. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, you can't. It's, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, and I think like, you know, like a, a, a suggestion that I would, you know, give you or like a piece of advice or whatever you want to say is like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, it's like if, if the next time a friend does that, which is like super fucking annoying, you know, just be like, just be like, hey, dude, like, sorry, sorry. Like you preface it in the beginning and just say like, hey, like, I'm just going to go on a little rant and I just want to vent a little bit. Like, are you, are you down to hold some space for me? Are you down uh -huh. to just listen? Like, I don't need, and you just let them know up front. Like, I don't need any advice. I don't need any help. Like, I just like, just simply just need like 10 minutes to just like get something off my chest. Mm -hmm. Like, are you available for that? Can you do that for me? Right. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, it's like, yeah, like, of course, your friend is going to be like, yeah, dude, for sure. Or maybe your friend will be like, actually, now's not a good time. Like, I'm yeah. busy. Like, if I'm really if I'm really going to, like, hold some space for you, like, let me make sure that I can actually be present so that I'm not just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that I'm, like, actually, like, able to, like, do that for you, you know? So you set that expectation up front because this is a common complaint that a lot of my clients have where they'll be like, you know, like, oh, they're just like, they're always just trying to give me advice or they're always trying to fix me. And it's like, well, did you tell them that that's not what you want? Mm. did you actually tell them like that you just wanted to simply vent and that you just wanted to hold space because this this happens a lot especially with um not only friends but it also happens with parents you know yeah. where, like my clients will be like oh my god and then my mom does it and it's like and it's like but then she doesn't do anything about it you know and it just gets me so frustrated and then i try to give her advice but then she gets mad that i was like trying to give her advice but then it's like why is she like telling me all these problems anyways and it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a cycle Circle, yeah, yeah you know and so a lot of times what i'll tell my clients is to also then just be then just say like and and you know because like i said i'm a i'm a communication facilitator Com i'm a communication specialist it's, it's one of my areas of expertise so what I coach them on too is like, tell them next time, just say, hey, you know, when when you talk about X, Y, and Z, you know, I feel helpless or I feel drained or I feel, you know, I feel, uh, yeah, like I feel powerless because I want to help you, you know? So, mm. you know, would you be willing to take some, you know, uh, would you like to talk about solutions with me? Or, you know, can you just give me a heads up in the future if you just simply want to vent so I know like how to navigate, you know, so that I don't also feel responsible, you know, to actually like help you. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm responsible when maybe all you want me to do, do is hold space for you. So, so would you be just willing to like, let me know what you need upfront so that I can like better be there for you. So mm. then that way nobody goes into it feeling annoyed and resentful right. about each other.
other or feeling responsible on top of that. Because I mean, your friend might feel like responsible, like, oh, man, he's venting. He needs my help. Like, let me help him. And you're just like, what the fuck you and your help? Like, stop trying to be my coach right now. And it's like, well, maybe he just like also just needed to hear you say like, I just need a vent for like 10 minutes. Can you hold some space for me, dude? And he'd be like, hey, man, I got your back. Like, what's up? You know, so yeah, communication is key. Cool. Thank you for that. No, no, I, I, I'm definitely going to use that more, more in my toolbox. I think setting expectations. Uh, um, okay. So cool. We have our last section. Uh, it's called language corner. Yay. Oh, okay. so, so basically, um, so we, we just share like maybe a phrase or a term that, that is maybe from our culture or from the area that we grew up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, so one word uh, I'm thinking of is like Bay Area, we say hella. I, I hear you use hella now. Um, <laughs> and then also um, for, uh, for in Mandarin, uh, to do like a reading, they call it Ming. Suan Ming means, Suan means to calculate and Ming means fate. So to calculate your fate is to do mm. like a reading, like a fortune telling mm. reading. I have not done one because I, real talk, I am like, I have those resistance barriers. But having talked to you and a previous uh, guest about astrology, fuck it. Why not? Who cares? It's just, it's just, um, you know, a, a, a fun thing to do. I, if I think of it that way versus like, oh, I'm fully 100% into it. I realize now that it's just another uh, fun way to live life, I guess, or to explore different areas of life. So, anyways, I, I don't yeah. know how I don't I don't know how that person kind of framed it for you, but yeah, I, yeah, like, but but I also study astrology and tarot and all the woo things. But something that I always teach my clients is that astrology is a tool. Like we use astrology as a tool. It is not like. Off, like a, it's, it ain't some like Miss Cleo shit. Like, oh, this is what's gonna happen, and this yeah, is what yeah. you're destined <laughs> for. Like that. That is not how I teach using these things. I always make sure that my clients understand that we use these things as tools and as a guide, and it helps us to understand parts of us that maybe we didn't understand before. It helps us to understand or validate parts of us that maybe we didn't accept about ourselves before. So rather than looking at it as like, oh God, this is real, or this isn't real, or this is true, or it isn't true. It's not about that. It's more about like, how can I actually use this as a tool to help me better understand myself and to help me guide myself along this journey that I call my life. So that's Um. that's also another way to reframe so that you're not looking at it as like oh this is true this is not true because i think that's where a lot of people get stuck in using these mediums like astrology or readings or tarot or whatever it's like it's not about like oh this is true or not true it's like oh how can i use this to help me inform and better understand myself and where i'm trying to go and like what i actually like care about and my tendencies and my personality and so forth oh awesome yeah, yeah, definitely. Thinking of it as a yeah, reframing. I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Dan or Lillian, do you have any phrase that you want to share? Or uh, in Japanese, uh, it's, it's called uranai. Uranai is uh, kind of like fortune telling. So mm. uh, I've I've had it done. Uh, we actually consulted. Uh, my acupuncturist said uh, this lady was really good, and she's. She told me and my wife, I was like, oh, you should get married on this day versus this other day. We were like Saturday versus Friday. And she's like, oh, no, the Friday day is better. So <laughs> we kind of did it. <laughs> like, fuck it. Why not? Right. Why like, not? What's what's the, what's the harm? Right. 
and it was a Friday. It was a it's holiday anyway, so we just did it that day. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And who knows? Worst case scenario, it like you know, like best case scenario, prevented a tragedy. You know, and then yeah. you know, and then like worst case scenario, uh, it didn't do shit. Like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <It doesn't matter. laughs> oh, That's hilarious. Okay, that's well, funny. since I guess since we're along this along this uh, theme, then yes. I guess uh, I guess I would I would like to. Uh, the first thing that came up for me, and that's the thing that I'm going to say, is Kwanzang uh, is uh, f- is face reading. Oh. So there's oh. also there's all so I've also had a face reading before as well, and I have a face reader in Korea, and he's brilliant, he's amazing, and uh, and he's this like little he's like, this little old man, and he's so cute, and he's just so <laughs> accurate, and he just like he'll just like look at you, and he'll just read it, and he just gets really focused, and then he's like. Mm. Mm, mm. And he'll be like, let me see your ears. And I pull back my hair. And then he's like, turn around. And he'll be like, show me your hands. And I'm like, oh. And then he'll be like, 41, 42. Wow, everything changes. And I'm like, oh, no shit. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that's what they call face reading. So, kwanzang in Korean. Oh, so, kwang means uh, to read or? Kwanzang. Kwansang. Kwansang. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kwansang. It means so it's face, face reading. reading. Yeah, it's just like face reading, yeah. <laughs> and can you face oh, read cool. now? No, but I, I do want to learn. And I begged him if he could teach me at some point. And, you know, I think, I don't think he's trying to teach me on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to sign a contract in blood or something. Or exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we're going to wrap it up. I think uh, some big takeaways we had. We I think we solved racism, Black and Asian uh, you know, racism. <laughs> we solved um, uh, the skepticism about uh, pers- uh, transformation coaching. And yeah, I think it's it's okay to dream and you shouldn't stop dreaming. Um, any last things before we end it? I have nothing to say. The, the only thing that I would like to end on is just gratitude. Thank you so much for creating oh, space you. for me. And to, you know, I feel like I rambled a bunch, but I feel like you 100% gave me a platform to just share my voice and and speak on the most random things. I mean, from, I mean, like you got me to talk about like my crazy dad and my codependent mom all the way to, you know, growing up, you know, with black kids and, you know, talking about, you know, like raising up adults, you know, and and all that. So you guys just let me just, just get all over the place and just ice skate all over this uh, podcast. So I I appreciate you guys uh, doing that for me and feel free to chop up and edit and do whatever you want with it. (laughs) I I think uh, let's keep it all. It sounds all good to me. I don't know about you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess this is, you probably get this question a lot. Wait, do you know Kanye or, or no? <laughs> I'm sure no. Kanye. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So thank you so much, Lillian. You can meet, uh, you can meet Lillian So at meetlillianso.com. And then you can also find her on all the major platforms. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Relationships getting you down. And in your